I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. Just sitting here in the big, comfortable black leather poppet chair in my living room, got my feet propped up on the footstool, getting all relaxed after a trip to the Big Apple today. The Big Apple. That sounds like the kind of a thing a guy who can't stop talking about how well his tomatoes are growing might say. But actually, I grew up in Brooklyn. It was the Catholic section of Brooklyn. We didn't have sex ed classes in high school, but uh, there were fertility dances. The school called them record hops, but they were fertility dances. When When a girl from my neighborhood excused herself to slip into something more comfortable, however, she usually came back wearing a wedding gown. It was very conservative. I spent most of my radio career in my hometown, and I used to call it Skyscraper National Park. Because even growing up there, you look up at those buildings, that whole bunch of those buildings, and you got to say, wow. You ever think about the first guy who looked at a tall building like that and said, my God, that, that scrapes the sky. Yeah, it's cliche now, but think about it then. Skyscraper National Park. We moved here to Pennsylvania when I was asked to leave New York by the forces for profit in the broadcasting business. But I got back there pretty often for my day job. And even though that's where I was born and raised, I sometimes feel a little out of place right now when I go back, like today. When I got off the train at Penn Station and I I rode the big, long escalator up to the street level in front of Madison Square Garden, and and I was crossing the street, and there was a whole bunch of people, this big crowd of people, and I could see the crowd's reflection in a big glass store window, but I couldn't find myself in the crowd. And that was a weird feeling. For just a moment, I, I felt like I'd lost myself. I mean, you know, you look in the mirror and you're not there. I say, whoa, there's a problem. I probably could have found myself if I had a little more time, but there's not much time in New York. And that's what makes a lot of people think New Yorkers are rude. Actually, New Yorkers are just in a hurry. You got to hustle when there are 14 million more people behind you trying to get across the same street. There is no time to waste when you're in New York City which is the reason that most of what New Yorkers have to say can be summed up in one quick finger, you know. Actually, there is a New York language of its own. For example, if somebody says he'll meet you at his crib, his crib is his apartment, that's not his bed. A homeboy in New York is your best friend. And dropping a dime means squealing on somebody. And a joint can be either a cigarette or jail. A freak, on the other hand, is your girlfriend. And a throwdown is a fight. And you refer to your clothes as your gear in New York. And if you're taking the subway to the ballet at Lincoln Center, I suppose you could say you're taking the twain to the tutu. But I don't think I'd do that if I were you. The big town is where the big money is, though, no question about it. Even though these days, the only people cleaning up on Wall Street are the brokers who have dogs. Dow Jones was unchanged today. They called it a rally. 
actually, rich New Yorkers hire other people to walk their dogs. And that's why you see young guys walking down the street with seven, eight, ten dogs on a leash all at the same time. And some guys don't actually walk their dogs. They just kind of hold them out the window a couple of times a day. Life in New York can be a dog-eat-dog world, and you got to be careful that you're not wearing hamburger shorts. And it's true that if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, like the song says. And everybody in the radio business wants to make it to New York. What a thrill, especially when you're there in your own hometown and, and you're on the air. I get to work with some very special people in New York. Guys like Wolfman Jack. Actually, there never was and probably never will be anybody like Wolfie. And yeah, that's what he liked the other guys at WNBC to call him. Wolfie. Bob Smith was his real name. And he was a Brooklyn boy too, so we had that in common. Wolfie was kind of a comic book character with a huge heart. That screaming and, and, and wolfing while the mic was open was an act. But he was just Bob Smith from Brooklyn when the music was playing. He'd just kind of sing along, you know, and ruffle through his liner cards during the songs, getting ready to do what he was going to do next on the air. I used to bring my lady Wonder Wench with me to the station pretty frequently, and, and she remembers him very fondly. She says he was a very comfortable guy. And I would say the same thing. He was a very comfortable guy, Wolfie. Which is not to say that he didn't know how to howl when the moon was full. As a matter of fact, the phase of the moon didn't have very much to do with it when the music got to Wolfie. Black music especially, race music, was what they used to call it before the, the great Alan Freed made it mainstream stuff. Wolfie was... He was a, a black man in, in white skin. A white man who could definitely jump. And nothing was safe from getting knocked over in the studio when Wolfie was up and jumping either. But sometimes, after he had been naughty, things were kind of quiet while the records were playing. I mentioned liner cards, and those of you in the radio business probably thought that was some kind of a mistake. But it wasn't. Liner cards usually have station slogans written on them. Things that the program director wants the guy on the air to read at certain times during the hour. It's always boring stuff like more music, less talk, that kind of stuff. Well, Wolfie's liner cards were different. He used them to remember what he called his statements to my honeys. That's what he called them. And there were sometimes jokes and sometimes quick little snippets of Jonathan Livingston Seagull type philosophy. And, and sometimes just barely disguised pickup lines. Sometimes the words didn't really make much sense at all, <laughs> except, except when Wolfie was saying them, then they made sense. WNBC hired Wolfie to compete with Cousin Brucie on WABC, and the WNBC promotion department took a series of ads in the paper, and they featured tombstones with Brucie's name on them, and the caption said something to the effect that Wolfie is here and Brucie's time has come. Which, of course, never happened. And ironically, when Wolfie left WNBC, Cousin Brucie came over to our side. Wolfie was as New York as the Brooklyn Bridge. He made his radio reputation on the West Coast and, and, and in the South. But if you ever wonder where he kept his heart, look at the call letters on the microphone in almost all of his pictures. They read WNBC. That's New York. <laughs> 
The world is a little quieter and a lot sadder since Wolfie went away. Dick's Details, a bunch of absolutely unimportant things to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you awake out the other ear and you can nod off comfortably to sleep. As a contribution sent from uh, Airplane Captain Eric. He says if our entire solar system could be put in a teacup in downtown Kansas City, the nearest star would be in Hollywood. <laughs> I guess that makes sense, huh? would make my day if a star could be Catherine Zeta-Jones. John Lennon and Paul McCartney met at a church picnic. I assume their aunts were probably friends. Ludwig von Beethoven didn't take a bath all the time he was composing his Ninth Symphony, which I suppose is a good thing he was, he was deaf because all those people had to be screaming, Ludwig, take a bath, please, Ludwig. Dicks the tales. They take your mind off your mind. It was a really strange experience today, seeing that crowd of people reflected in the store window. And, and, I, and I knew it was in the crowd, and I wasn't able to find myself. I mean, how do you lose yourself? No, I take that back. There are lots of ways to lose yourself. And there are lots of ways to find yourself. There's a story about that in the Bedtime Stories 2 personal audio CD that I'm working on right now. A little preview for it. It's called The Perfect Stranger. It had been a very long time since you'd felt like a beautiful, desirable, sensual special woman. You were out of town on business and you set it up on purpose. You know exactly how to slip under the covers of a man's mind. It's automatic with you. It's really something you do in your own head more than anything else. It's just a small voice that happens inside you. It purrs. It says, yes, you, now. The only conscious thing you do is you raise one eyebrow just a little bit and you smile just enough for him to see the tip of your tongue brush against the back of your teeth. Then you stand a little too close to him, looking up carefully into his eyes. The warmth of your bodies lifting a touch of your perfume into the space between you. It's really not something you do on purpose. It's the femaleness of you, loving the closeness of his physical strength. You can sense that you are making him generate even more masculine power just by being so close. You were interested in healing yourself. He was interested in you. And you really didn't expect that. It was amazing. That night three years ago. He couldn't get enough of your ideas. He couldn't get enough of your dreams. And by midnight, you were slowly stepping out of your high heels, calves flexing, the light from a candle flashing in your eyes for just a moment as you lay down slowly next to him. 
and he couldn't get enough of you. You woke alone in the morning. The smell of him still in your hair. The memory of the taste of his skin and the touch of his fingers, the only proof that he was ever really there. But it worked. You got strong again, quickly. You met a very good man. You fell in love and you're going to be married soon. But every year, that small, purring voice inside you wishes a perfect stranger, a man you'll never see again, a happy anniversary. And you wonder if he ever remembers you. That's The Perfect Stranger. It's from the second Bedtime Stories personal audio CD. I expect to finish it in, in a few weeks. may take me a little longer. I don't know. So if you like it, for now, just keep this podcast. Or if you would like to check out the first Bedtime Stories CD, well, then just go back to DickSummer.com and click the CD baby icon. I would like to thank Dr. George Pollard for the huge interview with me that he published in his Grub Street blog. If you're interested, you'll find it at www.grubstreet.ca. It's Canadian. Or you can just go back to DickSummer.com and click on the link on the home page. It'll take you there. article has lots of pictures and, and lots of memories. And it includes some stories about my life that I haven't thought about in a long, long time, including... Marge, the station stripper, and Al Hickok, the father of classic rock. And the guy I think is the most talented DJ I've ever heard, Bruce Bradley. It's a funny thing about a long article that looks back on your life like that. There's an awful lot of things that I totally forgot about. It was like I, I got lost in my own life. It was a weird feeling. And there's a lesson in that. I guess I got to take a little bit more time. At least enough time to, to find myself in, in my own life. How about you? Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.